Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is a lot of interest in G-Day coming up on Saturday. It's really interesting to me to see all the different places this is coming from because of that special guest for us, I believe, over the course of the next couple of days. One I'll tell you about later on. Uh, One on today's show, we are going to try to catch up, in addition to the conversation that we typically have on Thursdays with former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards. By the way, Terrence back with us again for the Dog Nation postgame show on Saturday. Uh, I'll be at the UGA bookstore after G-Day. Terrence is going to be with us there on video on Saturday for that. In addition to having Terrence on the show, which we normally do on Thursdays, also his brother, the great former Georgia running back Robert Edwards, who's kind of gotten an eyewitness account recently of these Georgia running backs during practice who follows that group so closely. Robert, obviously, also a great high school coach here in the uh, state of Georgia as well. So we're lucky to have both Edwards on the show today. Terrence, and we're going to try to catch up with Robert before the show is done today. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Before that, though, and before we kind of get too heavy into the G-Day stuff, I want to kind of be, and I hate to say it this way, but I don't really know how else to say it. I'm going to be a little nerdy just for a second because there is a question that has been kind of bouncing around. We do comment stuff after the show on video. I read them on Facebook and YouTube on the podcast version of our RS Andrews Cooldown. Uh, folks tweet at me or they put the comments when we post the show at dognation.com. And th- I love that part of our broadcast day because it really kind of allows the audience to have some influence over the content that we discuss. What's interesting to Georgia fans, they kind of put it out there and I react to that. I think it's really fun to be able to do that. And one of the questions I've been getting a lot lately is, B.A., do you see any trap games on the upcoming schedule for Georgia? And as I've said before, one of the things that has made me a little nervous, speaking as a Georgia fan here for a moment, is the fact that when I do look at the 2021 schedule, I don't necessarily see that trap game kind of popping up there. But let's face it, if it truly is a trap game, then by definition, you kind of don't see it coming. Most of us can look at the Georgia schedule this way. The Clemson week one game is an obvious, as tough as it gets type football game, right? I mean, just kind of, you think down to the wire, stiff competition, lucky to win it. And then if you can get past Clemson, well, at that point in time, it seems to be smooth sailing for a while until like, say you get to Florida near the end of October. But even that game, Georgia expects to be, you know, a fairly substantial favorite, even in that game. So when you look at those 11 games that uh, come after the Clemson game, you don't necessarily see one that says, oh boy, this is, you know, automatically setting up to potentially be dangerous for Georgia. Watch out for that. But the need to try to find one of those games in the minds of some fans, I think, is enhanced more by some of the stuff that we've seen over the course of the last couple of days. For instance, many of you saw and we reacted on this show yesterday to the release of the ESPN Football Power Index preseason top 25 that had Georgia 7th. But it's some of the analytics data about Georgia that I think becomes more interesting here. Yeah, you see Georgia 7th there, but I want to show you some of the odds that FPI kind of had related to Georgia. And this is one of the things that even gets more people talking about, well, maybe there is a trap game that we haven't really quite paid attention to when it comes to Georgia. Let's see that. Yeah, please. Let's please see that. So you look at the odds here. You see Georgia to win the SEC East, according to the ESPN FBI. And obviously you can take all this with a grain of salt. I'm not telling you you should take it as the gospel. I'm certainly not. But as, you know, a conversation starter, ESPN's FBI gives Georgia a 69.2% chance of winning the East, a 22.9% chance of winning the SEC, a 17.2% chance of making the college football playoff. And the thing that some folks have noticed is just a 0.9%, in other words, less than a 1% chance of going undefeated during the 2021 regular season. The actual most common projection, according to ESPN FBI, is the idea that Georgia would win just. I should say that Georgia would lose three games during the upcoming season. And that seems kind of ludicrous and kind of crazy to even consider, but that's kind of where the math people sort of have all this, which kind of once again brings you back to everybody would say that the Clemson game is a potentially losable game for Georgia. Not saying that Georgia will lose the game, but everyone would say that's a game that you obviously could lose because Clemson's a, you know, you know, a fixture in the college football playoff. Clemson's very likely a point spread favorite in that game in Charlotte. There is a obviously a chance that Georgia would lose to Clemson, even though on this show we hope that's not the case. But the question then becomes, well, where do the other losses kind of come from? Where does all this kind of, you know, you know, kind of take place? And 
that's where, you know, looking a little more deeply at the uh, 2021 schedule, I think it becomes a, a little bit more interesting. In fact, let me show you this on the screen. This is the schedule that Georgia will play for this upcoming season. Uh, what happens after Clemson in the SEC and everything else. And I thought it was really interesting that the other day, uh, Athlon Sports kind of gave you sort of a week-by-week schedule analysis for Georgia about where potential losses kind of come from here. And even kind of looking at, you know, some of this stuff here, you're still, you know, kind of left to wonder, well, you know, where do the math people kind of see the loss taking place? I mean, as we said before, Clemson on September 4th, no, no, nothing else needs to be said about that. That's obviously a tough game. UAB on September 11th, also, you know, nothing to be said there. The Athlon Sports write-up doesn't give you much on the Blazers there in that spot. September 18th against South Carolina. Uh, Athlon Sports reminds you, hey, Gamecocks have been, and the quote from Athlon is, been a thorn in Georgia's side before. Obviously, we remember the 2019 season. But even with that in mind, it's still Shane Beamer. It's still, uh, you know, first-year coach. This is a team that Georgia handled easily on the road a year ago. Obviously, at Vanderbilt on September 25th, nothing to worry about there. October 2nd, Arkansas, one of the surprise teams in the uh, SEC. Athlon Sports says this could be a, quote, stiff test for Georgia. But even with that in mind, this is a team that, you know, after Georgia kind of took the first half off in the season opener a year ago, coasted to an easy uh, win in Fayetteville a year ago, stands to reason the game would be even easier in Athens. Athlon calls it a, quote, stiff test. I'm just not quite so sure I believe it. October 9th at Auburn, maybe that's interesting. As I've said before, a lot of what will be determined by that Auburn game is on the basis of what they do in road games against Penn State and uh, against LSU to start the season. That'll give you a feel for just how tough the road environment there is at uh, Jordan-Hare uh, uh, Stadium. Uh, Athlon Sports says that Auburn's not going to take it easy on Georgia, and you can you know say that if you want to, but gosh, Georgia's winning streak against Auburn so long, it's part of the main reason why uh, Gus Malzahn no longer has a job there. Then you get to October 16th against Kentucky. Kentucky's one of those teams that has been slightly discussed as a possible surprise team. But Georgia just went on the road to Lexington a year ago in a time in which Georgia was banged up, not quite figured out at quarterback yet, and still won that game relatively easy. October 30th against Florida. We talk about that game all the time. Everybody knows that. Maybe you make a big deal about November 6th against Missouri. But once again, this is a home game for Georgia against the Tigers. After winning easily in uh, Como last year, you have to kind of stretch the imagination a little bit to describe why that game should be tougher for Georgia this season than it was a year ago. Injuries obviously notwithstanding. Then at Tennessee, I think they're a mess. Charleston Southern, that's obviously a cupcake game. Uh, Georgia plays Georgia Tech again on November 27th in Atlanta, and no one really expects the Yellow Jackets to be very good. So you're kind of left to wonder, where does ESPN FPI see these losses coming from Georgia? And then you kind of get to kind of an interesting thing about math, and this is kind of like, the, I guess, the nerdy part of the discussion. You know, I'm not very good at math, so you should always check your own numbers in comparison to mine, but, but just think about this theoretically for a moment. Let's say that Georgia had a chance to play an opponent, and let's say that Georgia had a 90% chance of winning that game. And let's say Georgia was going to play another game, a second game, and they also had, according to the people who seem to know this stuff, a 90% chance of winning that game. The odds of Georgia winning both games, though, are not 90%. They're actually only about 80% if you do the math, and I'll let you do that on your own. Same thing if you add a third game. Let's say it's another opponent in which Georgia had a 90% chance of winning the game. Now the odds of Georgia winning all three of those games actually only about 70%. And on and on and on and on you go. So let's say for Georgia, after the Clemson game, you had 11 games coming after that in the regular season. And just for the sake of conversation, let's say that Georgia had a 90% chance of winning each of those individual games. Now, in actual honesty, in real truth, Georgia has less than a 90% chance of winning some of those regular season games I just described, and in some cases far less than a 90% chance. But just for the sake of this conversation, let's say that Georgia had a 90% chance of winning each of those 11 regular season games that are slated to come after Clemson here this year. The actual odds of Georgia winning all 11, if I'm doing the math correctly, are really less than 40%, like 30-something percent chance that Georgia would win all of those games. So the kind of the bottom line on this is, we don't see where the trap game necessarily is when you look at the 2021 schedule, but that doesn't mean it, it doesn't exist. And the other takeaway here is for the people who've said, oh, the, uh, the, the Clemson game's no big deal for Georgia. It can win that game or it can lose it, but it's going to have its playoff fate decided by what happens after Clemson. Maybe that's true, but when you really look at the math of what it takes to run through an 11-game schedule after the Clemson game and be intact in 11-1 in the SEC championship game with your playoff you know, positioning still well-preserved, well well-taken-care-of, 
it'd be a real shame to give up your margin for error so early in the season and have to essentially be playing without any margin of error uh, over the course of the uh, rest of the way. You know, we see a team like Alabama kind of blow through its schedule. It's got a long winning streak, streak against uh, unranked opponents as a big favorite. And frankly, to a degree, Alabama has made that look tougher than it is. Georgia, as it stands right now, would appear to be a fairly sizable favorite in almost every regular season game it plays this season, certainly after it plays Clemson week one. But that doesn't mean the Clemson game doesn't matter, nor does it mean that Georgia won't be challenged at some point in time during the regular season. A lot of folks right now, whether it be listeners, viewers to this program, Athlon Sports, ESPN, FBI, everything else, kind of looking for where that trap game is on the Georgia schedule. I don't quite know where it is. That's the thing that makes me nervous because the true definition of a trap game is it sort of sneaks up on you when you least expect it. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharpan. Glad to have you with us. Video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the rap podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous DogNation.com, all the different platforms. Thanks so much for being with us here on the program today. As I said before, two special guests coming up, our buddy Terrence Edwards to talk about G-Day here in a mere matter of moments. Then his brother Robert, the great former Georgia running back Robert Edwards, is going to be with us on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp before we're all said and done. Really fun to be able to do a show like this. Really grateful for my friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. I'm also really grateful for them because of the service they provide to so many of the people in our audience. And listen, obviously the divorce process is a scary and confusing thing, and honestly the word divorce is one of those things that kind of stops you in your tracks and causes you to slam on the brakes. I totally appreciate that. It can be truly, an, you know, just a agonizing time for the people who go through it. And if I could wave a magic wand and say, oh, you don't have to deal with any of that pain and suffering, I obviously would do that. But I can't do that. But I can do this. Recommend that you stand alongside someone who's going to fight for you when need be, who's going to advise you when need be, who's going to make the process easier to understand, easier to navigate, and set you up on a pathway that eventually you'll be made whole again with your relationships, with your finances, with your retirement accounts, everything that kind of goes along with this, that's what Meriwether and Tharp can do for you. They are your source for Georgia divorce. My invitation to you is take that first step for that initial consultation by finding them online at the theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's the theatlantadivorceteam.com. That'll get you in touch with Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. All right, as we go around the doghouse here today, I want to kind of focus in for a moment on something that Georgia linebacker Nicobe Dean said. And You know, one of the things that we've kind of made mention of on this show a little bit is the fact that Dean has been such a prominent part of the discussion for Georgia defense here this spring, even though he actually hasn't been going through these practices. And he's been taking, as Kirby Smart's described it, mental reps, things like that. And certainly Dean's been learning a lot from the sideline. He's explained that himself. But in terms of the impact that he's having as a leader right now, even though that he's not actually going through these same you know reps that everybody else is as folks have kind of told us in the show it'd be very easy in a situation like this to you know kind of look at a guy who's on the sidelines and say hey listen I, I yeah, I'm not listening to what you're saying I'm out here trying to work hard at practice you're there standing on the sidelines but uh, N'Kobe Dean and it was Terrence Edwards actually who said that for us last week N'Kobe Dean just got too much credibility in the eyes of these players to be dismissed in that way that his voice has been heard very loud as this Georgia defense not only tries to get ready for G-Day on Saturday but tries to get ready for everything else that comes after that with a uh, big, big job in front of them for the 2021 season. Against all those opponents we just described, Clemson and everybody else, this Georgia defense is going to have to be up to that challenge. And it sounds like while he's dealing with a shoulder injury recovery right now, not able to practice, Kobe Dean's doing everything he can as that Georgia linebacker to get that defense ready to go for this upcoming season. This is good stuff from Kobe a little earlier this week. Take a listen to this. For the most part, I've just been out there coaching. You know, I'll be getting my mental reps and uh, – basically seeing myself out there and make sure, and making sure everybody uphold the standard. You know, uh, I feel like on this team more than never that uh, the players, the players should be the, the leaders on the team should be the main one upholding the standard. We shouldn't have to depend on the coaches for that. So for that, I've been yelling and everything. I get, I get my conditioning in towards beginning practice. And then after that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a coach out there, just, just getting everybody right, making sure everybody know what they're doing. I've been guilty of saying this before that, it's easy to look back on the 2020, or I should say the 2017 offseason ahead of that year in which Roquan Smith did not go through spring practice either. We all know how that turned out for him his junior season. I'm not telling you that Kobe Dean's heading for a Roquan Smith type year here in 2021, but I'm also telling you, I'm not telling you he's not either. 
if you uh, get the uh, drift from me on that. I think his presence around this Georgia team is truly invaluable. And some of the stamp that he's tried to put on this team thus far this spring, I, I think it may come to fruition in front of our own eyes on G-Day on Saturday. And, whoa, boy, you think about him and Trayvon Walker and Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson and some of these other five stars going to get their chance to, to really shine here this upcoming season. That Georgia front seven could be in good hands with guys like that. So fun stuff to think about there. Uh, also, speaking of G-Day on Saturday, don't forget, while it's the end of Georgia spring practice, it's the start of a big week for the University of Georgia. It's the week of giving with my friends at the UGA uh, Alumni Association as they really call on all dogs. And you've seen this on our website at uh, dognation.com or other places in social media. Georgia coach Kirby Smart really putting that challenge out there to all the folks who care about UGA. For the folks who you know graduate from the school or have, have students who are you know going to the school or have graduated, really anybody who is proud of the impact that the University of Georgia makes on the world around us to kind of get involved and participate in the week of giving that begins on Saturday, April 17th, runs through April uh, 23rd, a real chance to support an institution that has supported so many of us and has made our state such a uh, better place. And there's also great incentives to get involved here as well. For every Georgia, uh, you know, a member of the Georgia alumni who uh, gets involved here and and uh, donates, a 20% discount is going to be yours to the UGA bookstore. That's valid from April 15th through April 30th. That's a uh, great savings there. Obviously, who doesn't love a nice shopping experience there at the uh, UGA bookstore? So a chance to do that with a 20% off coupon when you participate in the uh, UGA Alumni Association Week of Giving. Plus, every donor that participates also going to get an exclusive set of vintage UGA embroidered patches. What a uh, cool collectible that is and a great way to signify that you've participated in supporting the University of Georgia as it sets up well for the next generation. So the website to go to if you're watching a video is on your screen. If not, I'll read it to you a couple times. It's calling all dogs, of course, dogs spelled D A W G S, calling all dogs.uga.edu. One more time, calling all dogs.uga.edu. You can participate in the week of giving there, and that is going to be a really good thing. All right, as promised, you're on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Before we're done, we're going to be really lucky to hear from former Georgia running back great Robert Edwards on the program today as he helps us preview G-Day. It's a big day on Saturday when you got both Edwards brothers on the show. And with that in mind, now, as we normally do on Thursday, my co-host for the Dog Nation postgame show and a guy that you all love to hear from each and every week. How about former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards right now, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards. Obviously, great job talking UGA. Always fun to get his insight on everything going on with the program. We're lucky to be able to get it here. And, you know, Terrence, as a former player, a guy who's gone through G-Days, who's been out there on that stage, and obviously a whole lot more, you know, I'm curious, you know, the mindset of the player here a couple of days ahead of this. This is something that a lot of Georgia fans are really excited about. We've heard a lot of chatter about it. You know, a lot of folks, just any taste of football is obviously better than nothing. How different is it for the players? Are there going to be butterflies in the stomach? You know, the game's getting a little bit of, it's not quite normal TV. It's, you know, SEC Network Plus, but there's still going to be a TV broadcast crew there. going to be a lot of fans in the stands. How different is that going to feel feel for the, for the players who get a chance to go through that? And if you had to guess how excited are they already about what's going to happen come Saturday afternoon I think they're going to be very excited I think they're going to have an opportunity to play in front of more fans or probably the same amount of fans but anytime you get opportunity to to go into Sanford Stadium and play between the hedges it's an excitement and we like to put on the show we're entertainers we've been practicing against each other behind the scenes now it's time to show the world uh some of the new names that we've been we are anticipating to see uh, the Georgia fans get an opportunity to see those guys and those guys get an opportunity to put on a show uh, and show the world what they can do and I want to talk to you about some of those names here in just a moment but I love the description you give there the idea that it's a show that it's supposed to be entertaining I mean let's face it that's what it is sometimes I'm not even quite so sure how representative it is of what we'll actually see this fall but boy when you've heard some good things about the Georgia offense or when fans such as myself kind of have their own feelings about how good you think this could be, little glimpse of that, little entertainment value, a little bit of uh, razzle-dazzle, some highlights, boy, that'd be a nice thing to be able to see on Saturday. Not to say that I'm not rooting for the Georgia defense. I obviously am. But I have to admit I'm probably a little bit like the, you know, the average fan here who kind of goes in sort of hoping to see big things from the offense just because that's kind of – you know the, the entertainment brand of the sport right now and so I do hope we get a chance to see some of that on Saturday and I'm sure you probably feel the same way 
I think so. I think everyone wants to see uh, what this offense can look like in the second year of Todd Monken, in the second year of JT Daniels being the leader, the starter, uh, being the starting quarterback now, undoubtedly the, the starting quarterback. Uh, there are some names that we're going to miss, like we, we would love to see George Pickens out there. We would love to see Jermaine Burton out there offensively. But we get opportunity to see some other guys. We get to see A.D., who I've been talking about. You get to see Justin Robson. You get to see a lot of, of the new faces that Georgia fans are expecting to help this team uh, try to win a national championship this year. And this is the first time we get to see them and see the excitement. And I've been around these guys. These guys are excited to put on the show. Um, I'm ready to see Arian Williams get an extended opportunity to play in this game. Uh, we know what the backs bring. I'm ready to see the tight end, the new tight end for California. He, I know he's ready to show the dog fans what he can do. So there's a lot of guys that are just ready and be their first time really playing in between the hedges in front of fans. So can you uh, give me a little bit of a thumbnail sketch about what you think about the quarterback situation other than JT Daniels right now? I mean, no one questions that Daniels is the starting quarterback for this team, but I do think there's some intrigue about what is going on there after that. Obviously, Stetson Bennett is a guy that we've seen start in SEC play before. And really, Bennett had some nice moments. The Auburn game, the Tennessee game, those were those were second half against Arkansas, you would cite there as well. Those are moments in which Stetson Bennett helped contribute to UGA victory. So there could become a time, and obviously you hope there's no injury situation, but you know, let's face it, sometimes that's a part of the game. Georgia eventually may be glad that it has a guy like Stetson Bennett who has some experience. But the curiosity right now is probably less about Bennett, more about someone like Carson Beck in his second year in the program, or someone like Brock Vandegrift, who from you know, his high school moments you know last year playing for Prince Avenue and everything that kind of goes along with that you know there's a lot of intrigue right now about what Beck Vandegrift bring to the table you know what do you think about those guys right now and going back to your own you know trip to practice a couple of weeks ago what did you see from from Beck and Vandegrift that maybe makes you want to see more of them on G-Day well I think the uh the word is those two guys have been fantastic uh, I've heard a lot of great things that Carson Beck has really trying to solidify being the backup. And back to Stetson. Uh, Stetson is one of those guys that you need on your team. He's probably not the most talented, might, probably not the most physical quarterback out there, but what he does have is a common presence that if something happens to JT and we're going to knock on wood and uh, Carson Beck or uh, Brock gets thrown in and uh, coaches doesn't feel like they are just ready yet, they know they can, they can hand the ball off to Stetson. And he's, he can – hold the fort down until JT gets back. So he's a luxury to have. Uh, I honestly see him being a great coach one day. I mean, he understands the game mm-hmm. from my, all the accounts that I've heard. I just think he's probably – coaching is probably in his in his forecast because he, he's a student of the game. But we all know Carson Beck and Brock Vanderbilt uh, is buying for that number two spot. And I think the, the fans and myself is ready to see what they could do on the yeah. big stage. And I think – People are ready to see Brock Vandergrift because he comes from a single-A private school and he didn't play in the seven-A football here in Georgia. They're just trying to see now uh, how has he progressed from a single-A to big-time Georgia football. And I, I, from what I saw, uh, he has all the requisite traits to be a great quarterback. And we just now have to see it with our own eyes on a type of situation like G-Day. I know that's a hot-button issue for you, too. You've talked on this show many times before about, hey, these people that assume that uh, just because you didn't, you know, you, you know, play the highest classification in Georgia, all of a sudden that means you're not going to be an elite prospect. You've cited a thousand examples over the years, uh, including you and you, your brother there as well, of, hey, you know, so, you know sometimes big-time players come from slightly smaller schools. Right, and I mean, you just look at some of the greatest players that come through Georgia. Right. Uh, I can name a, a, a few off my head, my brother and I, Herschel Walker, Champ Bailey, Thomas Davis, all played in double-A or single-A ball. So, yeah. uh, And for the quarterback position, it's, it's not about where you play. It's not about the speed. It's about processing. Can they process information fast enough and get the ball out? And uh, for Brock coming from a, a coach's uh, son, uh, I, I know he understands the game. Now it's just him being comfortable in the Georgia scheme and the Georgia offense, and I know and I truly believe in my heart, he will be able to process information. Uh, he just got to get used to having talented guys like Jermaine Burton and George Pickett to throw to. Um, but that's my only issue with him, just the guys, the more talented guys he will get to play with. But I have no issue with him playing small-time football, being able to play 
big-time college football. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, for guys, you mentioned Brock Bowers a moment ago. You could talk about Adonai Mitchell a little bit like this as well, who really haven't played. You know, you know, you know, Bowers missed his senior year. California wasn't playing high school football. Mitchell's situation, a little bit different. Some of these guys are going to be playing. Now, they've obviously been scrimmaging, things like that, so this isn't their first taste of you know tackle football necessarily in a while. But in terms of a game that folks are going to be watching their TV screens or you know fans punching a ticket to sit in the stands for, this is the first time for a couple of these guys in quite some time. I can only imagine, Terrence, they must be really just chomping at that bit to, to get back out there again after you know not having a chance to be in what feels like a real football game in quite some time. I think so. Anytime you get an opportunity to put those pads on and uh, showcase your talent, man, that's what we're, <laughs> we're born for. That's what football players are and athletes are. Anytime you get an opportunity to showcase your skills, that's what we want to do. We want to show people uh, our skill set, some, especially for some of the younger guys who haven't had an opportunity to showcase their skill set in front of the fan. That's the excitement it brings. And G-Day, uh, I don't know if there's any beanie weenies or steak deals <laughs> going on with the team, team this year, but uh, it's still bragging rights. It's still, you know, you get back to your dorm and, you know, special offense and defense. So if I moss you or, or if I ran you over, so it, it's still bragging rights, but I still love being on a winning team and being able to have the steak dinner and not the bean and weenies. Yeah, let's remind folks of that for the folks that don't remember. Back in the uh, Mark Richt era, obviously the coach that uh, you finished your career with there at Georgia, that was the tradition, right? The winning team on G-Day got to eat the steak. The losing team was forced to eat the beanie weenie. Now, the word on the street back in the day was some of the players actually liked the beanie weenies. It wasn't always bad for everybody. Uh, but uh, that was obviously the the prestige to get the big steak dinner there. How much fun did y'all have with that back when you were playing at UGA? Oh, it was fun. It was, it was a lot of bragging rights. It was a lot of, you know, uh, practices going on. But now you get opportunity to lace it up between the hedges. It felt like a game. It felt like, uh, you know, we, and back then we had more people uh, in the stands as far as G-Day. I don't know how many were able to get into G-Day this year. But when you're between the hedges and you get opportunity to lace it up, and put on the show. That's what we're built for. Yeah, help me remember this. I apologize for not remembering when you were playing. It wasn't really on television, right? I mean, G Day being on TV didn't really become a thing until a few years later. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, G Day wasn't on TV when back when I played. And this is a little bit different this year because on SEC Network Plus as opposed to the regular television. But do you think that adds a little bit more juice for the guys who are here? The fact that there's a TV crew there, the fact that. You know, it, it, that probably adds to, to it feeling more like a real football game. You think the presence of those TV cameras probably adds to the to the spice for the players who are playing in the game? Uh, I, I don't know if they're thinking about, you know, the TV cameras. I think uh, they know it's going to be on TV, and they know that everyone uh, will get opportunity to see them play. But I don't think that's in the back of the end player's mind that TV cameras are out here. Let's go and play harder. I think they're going to go out and give their best. If it was back in my day with no TV cameras and not on TV, or in today's time, if it's, it's on TV and, it, and the whole world gets to see, they're going to go out and try to put on the show because they know this is an opportunity to prove to the coaches, um, not just practice. I, I could translate my skills from the practice field to the spring game to the regular game. So that's what they're trying to uh, achieve in, in the G-Day game. Well, Terrence, as we get ready to say goodbye to you, remind us here how folks can kind of get in touch. And obviously you're doing a great job training up that next generation of pass catchers, wide receivers, tight ends, everything else that kind of goes along with that. For folks who want to get some of that in their life for their own son or, or for young folks who might be listening to us, how can they get in touch with Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? Uh, you can uh, hit me up uh, on all social medias. That's Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Terrence, thanks so much. I look forward to seeing you, by the way, on Saturday for our Dog Nation postgame show on video. Can't wait to do that with you. Get your thoughts on G-Day there in the moment. That's going to be a lot of fun there as well. Oh, I can't wait. It's football time again. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Well, you love hearing that. Football time again. Fun to think about that on Saturday. I'll be at the UGA Bookstore. Terrence Edwards will be with us there on video. That is going to be a blast. By the way, speaking of the UGA Bookstore, let me make sure you know this. Big autograph signing going down both Friday and Saturday. We've had some guys. We had Aziz Ojolari on the show last week. He's going to be there on Saturday. We had Mark Webb on the show this week. He's going to be there on Friday. So let's run through what a huge autograph weekend it's going to be there at the UGA Bookstore, which is really our home away from home. We're in Athens. Great apparel, of course, uh, but also great opportunity to meet some dogs here this weekend. Vince Dooley going to be there 
there on both Friday and Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Friday, 12 to noon. I should say noon till 2 p.m. on uh, Saturday. Then Friday evening, you got Ben Cleveland, Tyson Campbell, Mark Webb, all there from 4 to 6 p.m. How much fun is that going to be? Then on uh, Saturday from 10 until noon, Aziz Ojolari, prohibitive favorite to be a first-round pick here this upcoming NFL draft. DeAndre Swift, a uh, big name of the Detroit Lions, both there from 10 till noon. Then the uh, great, beloved former Bulldog Richard LeCount there from noon to 2 p.m. on Saturday. So a bunch of autographed guests all right there at the UGA Bookstore. Contact information, you want to find out more, phone number 706-542-3171. That's 706-542-3171 or ugabookstore.com. That's the website. It is ugabookstore.com. All right, let's roll through our SEC through here before we get a chance to speak to Terrence's brother, Robert, kind of a special guest, doubling up on the Edwards brothers here on the show today, and that's a fun thing to be able to do. So at some point in time today, it looks like the NCAA, uh, after kind of hinting at this and you know the meetings have been going on the last couple of days, today it's going to become official that the one-time transfer rule is going to be adopted. There's no more sitting out. It's just going to be more Wild West than it already is. There are 1,200 names in the basketball portal. Uh, it's chaos in football, and there's going to be apparently even more of that. And listen, I know that my opinion on this is at odds with some of yours because a lot of you like the idea of, you know, this situation being as open as it is. And here's the one thing I hope we can all agree with, that what's right for players is what's right. Now, we may disagree about what is right for players, but what's right for players, what's right. I love the sport of college football. I'm grateful for the players who play it, and I want to do right by them as much as I possibly can. But as somebody who may be a little old head, maybe a little, you know, uh, a little gray in my hair now, as someone who kind of, you know, comes along those lines, you know, I am kind of of the belief that doing exactly what a young person wants is not necessarily always the thing that is the most right for them. That at a certain point in time, you're just creating a certain level of, uh, you know, chaos with all of that. I think the stability of college football is what benefits players for generations to come. And I do think the one-time transfer rule threatens that stability. I don't mind t- telling you that, even though, you know, social media is 100 miles an hour in the other direction, uh, at least the dominant voices there on social media. This is one where I feel pretty comfortable saying that, that, that the, the Twitter mob, for the most part, may have gotten this one wrong again. And it's not because they're bad people or anything like that. Uh, I just think some people are a little bit more comfortable with radical change. In this case, I think the radical change being brought to college football here is a threat to the uh, sport. Uh, Tennessee Falls got their first commit for the uh, class of uh, 2022 uh, finally taking place. I mean, it's really kind of amazing. Prospect of the Murfreesboro, uh, they're right there in the central Tennessee area. Amazing just how slow of a start that's been for Josh Heupel there with the Vols. Tough situation. And we talked about this yesterday on SEC Country Live. For those of you that tune in and watch uh, 3 p.m. on Wednesdays, I appreciate that. It is just a daunting task, daunting task facing Heupel with the small number of guys they have on the roster as it is with the you know big names from last year's team, guys like Wavaris Crouch and Henry Toto in the transfer portal. You've got – at least five current Vols suspended because of you know various you know allegations things along those lines. And this guy in Josh Heupel, who you know is at UCF, not a great proving ground necessarily for everything that goes on you know uh, you know goes on in college football. And now he's going to try to take this big job there at uh, Tennessee. I, I just think that's a really tough situation, and you're kind of left to wonder, you know, is he up for that task? Is he up for that job? I, I'm sort of of the mind that that he might not quite be. So uh, interesting stuff there on that. And then let me finish this with our SEC through here uh, just for a moment. This is maybe just a rumor worth filing away, worth paying attention to and uh, watching. So remember Xavier Worthy, the uh, four-star wide receiver from the class of 2021 that signed with Michigan? I guess there's some uh, chatter out there that Worthy may be rethinking his his signature there with Michigan. We talked about transfer portal a moment ago. Some of the guys that take advantage of this are young guys. Um, well, Worthy may be one of those, maybe looking to to pull his name out of the uh, transfer portal, or I should say out of the situation there at Michigan and maybe on the move. Uh, just kind of file that away uh, as something to think about there. Texas has been m- mentioned there, but uh, who knows? Who, who knows how that one may play out in the uh, days to come? So keep your eyes there on Xavier Worthy. will make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, it's also a great pleasure to speak to one of the guys. Boy, I loved watching the University of Georgia and continue to be impressed with the contribution he's making to football as a, as a high school coach here in our state and uh, just a great ally for the players who play.
play this game. It's the former Georgia running back Robert Edwards joining us here for a couple of minutes on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp today. Robert, we just had your brother Terrence on the show. Thanks for taking a little bit of time to be with us here today. I, I know you're busy, so I certainly appreciate you uh, hopping on and speaking to us for a couple minutes. Uh, no problem. No problem at all. Hopefully Terrence didn't say nothing too bad about me. He did. I'm going to have to take care of him later on today when I see him. I can only imagine how uh, brothers must do that from time to time, but you'll be happy to know. No, Terrence has always spoken, spoken very glowingly of you on the uh, show here. And we're obviously very curious because, you know, Robert, the Georgia running back situation right now is incredibly deep. You know, with guys like Zamir White, James Cook, who could have gone to the NFL draft, made the decision to come back. And obviously there's a lot of curiosity for what a guy like Kendall Milton can do in his second year on campus. You're wanting to see, you know, uh, Kenny McIntosh come back from injury. You know, when when Dejon Edwards got to play last year as a freshman, I thought he looked really good too. What do you make of the depth that Georgia has in the running back situation right now? And how do you kind of, I guess, sift through it and kind of, you know, make sense of what's what when it comes to that group? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, uh, just uh, the miles that run back put on their body. Uh, these guys are going to be healthy. They all, they got to, if you look at them, they're similar. Some of them similar in style. Some of them like tweeners. Uh, you got uh, Demir White, who's going to be that bell cow, bell cow type of running back. And then you got James Cook, who can also run in between the tackles, but he's more effective outside the box. And then you got Kendall Miller, who's a kind of a, 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 a combination of both of those guys. So, uh, and then, you know, like you said, Edwards, who looked good, uh, who, who would probably be the guy that take over the reins with him and uh, next year as far as that in-between guy. Uh, but, I mean, they got a loaded backfield. Uh, to me, I, I see a lot of 20 personnel. You know, those mm-hmm. guys got to be willing to block for each other, get in the backfield together. You don't know who's getting the ball. I remember when I was at Georgia, me and Patrick Paz was in the backfield yeah. together, or Orlando Gary, we was in the backfield together. And sometimes I had to block for those guys. And I think it was a, a strain on the defense because you didn't know who was getting it. So we can go left or right because we're balanced and guys could run the ball very well. I think it's really interesting. You know, in 2017, we saw Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle as seniors both have huge years, better than they'd had, obviously, the previous year. Now, in Chubb's case, it's easy to understand that. He was one year removed from an injury that was really serious for him in 2015, and he was healthier in 2017. But the Michelle numbers being as much better as they were as a senior, it's not quite as easy to explain that. And obviously, when you see the big leap that he took as a senior, a lot of folks wonder, could someone like Zamir White take the same kind of leap from his junior year to his senior year in terms of the the stats that he's able to put on paper? Why do you think sometimes it is a little easier year for a senior running back to go out there and have great moments like what Chubb and Michelle did for Georgia a couple of years ago? Uh, I think they, they understand what it takes to be successful. I think they're uh, better students of the game. They, they've matured. They're, they've grown. And uh, for the Zamir White case, you know, coming off those uh, those injuries, it usually takes two years to get that confidence back, the mental part of it, of the game back. And I think he finally starting to have that confidence that he can do the things he did in high school, and uh, things that we, you know, projected him to be when he first came to Georgia, I think he has that confidence now. And he's the leader of the group. And this is, I think, something that, that, that played a factor when I was at Georgia. When you got dogs behind you, yeah. pushing you every day in practice, man, uh, you don't want to give up your reps. You don't want to make a mistake and lose some opportunities on the football field. So I think, you know, they're competing against each other. They won't say this. Uh, they're competing against each other on the field on game day to see who's going to have the better day. I can guarantee you, Sony and Nick, as close as friends as they are, they competed every game day on who will have the best day and who yeah. has the bigger highlights. So that pushes each other. Uh, they push each other to to do great things on the football field. I think that's going to be the factor this year because uh, I can I can guarantee you, Cook wants to get him some highlights as well as Demir White. And uh, then you got Kendall Milton who's coming up, sniffing right behind him. Hey, look, man, I'm here too. Can can I get some of this this playing time? And yeah. when I get my opportunity, I'm gonna show that I deserve to be one of the top dogs as well. What? You know, we saw Kendall Milton last year's flashes of brilliance at time from him when he got a chance to play. As a former running back yourself, what would you like to see more of from Kendall this year? In what you would assume is probably kind of an expanded role for him. Uh, just uh. You know, just from studying him and watching him get, you know, blitz protection, uh, working on blocking, uh, catching out of the backfield. Because, like I said, I think he's a combination of Samir and James Cook. Can catch out of the backfield, 
Uh, and then being unselfish, blocking, and being that off bat, willing to block for one of the other guys because, you know, uh, once he leaves, he's going to be that guy. Once the other two leaves, he's going to be the guy. Uh, I think he can mature this year, learn the game, learn his playbook, understand what the, the uh, O-line is doing for him, setting up his block, uh, being powerful when he, needs, when he needs to be power, and then uh, being finesse when it's time to be finesse. And, and I think he has a great upside. He has a great opportunity to uh, build on this year and uh, take advantage of his touches when he gets an opportunity to touch the ball and, and roll right into next year as being the, being the guy. Let me squeeze in one more thing before I let you go, because I know you're very busy here today. Uh, you're obviously a coach. You understand the position that Dale McGee finds himself in. If you are Coach McGee, how do you decide to play, you know, you know who win? How, you know, that's obviously a tough decision. There's only one football to go around there. How do you decide how to divide those carries up and who's on the field at what point? Well, I think you got to ride the hot head. And, and like I said, the hot head's going to be that guy who feel like I want to outplay the, my, my – my, uh, my teammates who sits in the room with me. So uh, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a lot of 20 personnel. I think they're going to utilize these guys' talent. I think you're going to see a lot of Zamir and James Cook on the field at the same time. Maybe one of them uh, go in motion that takes the linebacker out of the box and try to get one-on-one matchup, mismatches. I mean, Cook's a mismatch for a linebacker yeah. uh, anywhere on the field. And, uh, and then sometimes Zamir's going to have to block for Cook. Cook's going to have to block for the mirror, and just imagine with White and Milton in the backfield, oh, yeah. blocking for each other, man. That's uh, a dynamic duo. So I just, I think it's going to be a lot of twenty personnel and taking advantage of the uh, the defensive set. Well, that's a fun thing to imagine. Robert, I really appreciate your time. Before we let you go, obviously you're doing a great job coaching up that next generation of running backs and working folks here in the state of Georgia. If people want to get much the same way that your brother Terrence is doing that for the wide receivers and folks like that, if people want to get in touch with your own training program, how can they find out more about the stuff you're doing for uh, high school players and, and players really even younger than that there as well? Uh, they can follow me on, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my tag is at RE Focus athlete, right. RE Focus athlete, or they can go to my personal Twitter, uh, Robert D. Third. Well, Robert, I really appreciate you being here on our program today. It's great to get your insight on this position group. You obviously played the position at such a high level, and uh, a lot of fans of you in this audience right now. So thanks for spending a little bit of time with us here today. I really appreciate that. Hey, I do appreciate you having me. Great stuff from Robert Edwards there, the uh, great former Georgia running back. Uh, interesting, by the way, that um, he talks about what if it's 20 personnel? What if it's not just, hey, there's only one football to go around, so we can only have one running back in the game? What if it is more two running back sets? I, I, listen, I I think that is a, is a fun thing to think about, obviously because of the the unique ways in which a guy like James Cook can be used. But Robert said, hey, what if it's not just you know you know slot receiver style, or, you know running back on the field with a traditional tailback? What if it's Amir White and Kendall Milton on the field at the same time? Now, obviously, you're taking a you know a kind of a pass catcher off the field when you do that. But you know, not to be you know too you know nerdy here for a moment, but you know, that's what Jimbo Fisher did a lot at Texas A&M last year. You know, you know, Fisher's a little bit different than some of these offensive-minded coaches in the SEC that are, you know, just spread them out, spread them out, spread them out. You know, Fisher's content to go, you know, two running backs, two tight ends a lot. A lot of the smartest NFL teams, uh, you know, you know, love those, you know, two back sets there as well. That that as as football becomes more of an offensive-minded game, it's not all just hey, let's put a thousand receivers in this field and spread them out as wide as we can. Very smart coaches are utilizing those multiple running back sets quite frequently, multiple you know tight end sets, obviously quite frequently, and sometimes two backs, two tight ends on the field at the same time. You see a lot of that at the NFL level. So fun from Robert Edwards to get us thinking about that. Really, really glad to have him on the uh, show today. Obviously a part of the great foundation of Georgia's football past. By the way, speaking of foundations, when it comes to foundation and waterproofing issues, I want you to keep my friends at uh, Engineered Solutions of Georgia in mind. Two full-time engineers on staff. These are super smart people that when you have those cracks that show up in your walls or that water that kind of creeps through your crawl space things like that basement everything like that those can be signs of more serious issues sometimes it's not sometimes it's an easy fix and if it is uh, my friends at esog are happy to tell you the easy fix to take care of to handle the problem that you have but when it's a bigger deal than that that's why you want good people doing the work for you that's what obviously engineered solutions of georgia does for you so give them a call 678 esog now 
That's 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Not only do, do they do great work, they've been great friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily for a long time. That makes me very, very proud to be able to recommend them because of that. And they're also proud partners of UGA. And it's never a bad thing to support somebody who's supporting uh, the Georgia football program and everything that's going to go along with their uh, ESOG. Uh, proud sponsors there at the University of, of Georgia and also good friends of ours on uh, Dog Nation. So it's great to be able to recommend them because of that. So as we get ready to say goodbye here today, uh, big uh, day for us tomorrow, getting ready for G-Day. A lot of this on the recruiting front. I saw where Krista Miller said he's going to be there. Also special guest for us tomorrow as well. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp going to be on the show to uh, talk about his excitement for the upcoming UGA football season and how this fall may look in terms of you know fans in the stands, tailgating, everything like that. We'll go straight to the top for that tomorrow. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp going to stop by as a way of previewing uh, G-Day tomorrow. That is going to be a lot of fun to go along with Jeff Sintel and all the rest of our Friday stuff. By the way, as we get ready to say goodbye here today, how about a golden shoe? This one really funny coming from Lucy on Twitter. Her, her hashtag on this made, just made me laugh. So you see Harrison Bailey, the Tennessee quarterback, throwing the football there, at least for those of you watching on video. And the defensive players are wearing something that looks like a true fence on their back. Lucy says golden shoe, D actual fence. And I think that's pretty funny from Lucy. We'll make her the golden shoe winner. By the way, lousy stinking Gators. How about a Gator hitter countdown? 198 days from now, Georgia gets a win against the Florida Gators in Jacks. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, R.S. Andrews, you can find them online, rsandrews.com. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They can handle all those issues for you. And, of course, this time of year, a lot of folks think about that air conditioning unit. We're always nervous, right, because it's hot in Georgia. And there's nothing worse than a hot house, especially at night when you're trying to sleep. So if you have some concerns that your uh, air conditioning unit may not be able to make its way through the spring and summer that's on its way get the peace of mind you need by that mega tune-up back to factory fresh backs that's what rs andrews can do for you find them online rsandrews.com all right so a couple comments here real quick i do apologize for having to do this kind of fast today because we've got a lot of sometimes you have to do a bunch of pre-recordings and things like that and today is one of those days where we're doing a bunch of stuff to get ready for the upcoming week end so let me take a couple comments we'll kind of roll out the door first of all i'd love to have your participation so Hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. Share a thought with me about anything you want to, and we'll kind of read that right here. Or when I post the show at DogNation.com, you can go to the comments section at the end of that post and share your thoughts there as well. I got a nice note from Navy Dog here in the comment section who says I do a great job, and I certainly appreciate that. And he says he's also glad my physical went well. Yeah, I um, went to the doctor this week. I used to be pretty good about going to the doctor, and you know, you know, once you start doing like you know show like this and it's kind of busy every day i don't i don't like missing days on this show hopefully y'all have kind of noticed that that i'll take a little vacation here and there obviously want to spend some time with my family but i'm not one of these guys who you know is always looking to try to find some reason not to be at work or something like that i like doing the show i want to do the show i don't i don't want to miss it so the bad part of that sometimes is you let things like yearly physicals things like that kind of um kind of subside so i did try to kind of get back there the doctor here this week and i'm you know, listen, we're all trying to take better care of our health and things like that. That's one of the things I can certainly, you know, do a little bit better job at. I'm pretty good at exercising and not always great at eating what I should eat. I think many of you probably kind of know <laughs> where I'm coming from on that. I'm not certainly the only one who's uh, dealt with all that kind of stuff. But, you know, listen, uh, I, I want to stay uh, young and healthy as long as I can because I got a lot of folks I want to you know, enjoy for many years to come. So I'm going to try to take good care of my health in that regard. So Navy Dog, thank you. I really appreciate your kind words and certainly appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here. I also got an interesting tweet from at the show 803. And this is actually in reference to something we talked about on an earlier show about there's this, I think, misnomer about Kirby Smart in comparison to someone like, say, Nick Saban. And, you know, this kind of comes up in a lot of different ways on the basis of whatever we might be talking about at any given moment. It's year six for Kirby Smart. Why hasn't he won a national championship yet? And there's a lot of, you know, in some cases it's it's opposing media, not really even opposing media, just media in general. Um, opposing fans, maybe a, a more pr appropriate phrase here, where 
if he doesn't get it done this year, it ain't never going to happen. I mean, there's just some of that kind of stuff that, that, that kind of pops up here. And I've always felt like that restlessness is is wrong, at least in this moment. Now, eventually, you do have to get it done, right? I mean, eventually, you do have to live up to expectations. But it just, I think, so appropriate. And this is one of the things that uh, DeShow was, was referencing in his tweet to me was I think it's really appropriate to examine the SEC that Kirby Smart entered as comparison to the SEC that, like, say, Nick Saban uh, once entered. When Saban became coach at LSU back in, I guess his first year was, what, 2000 there, won the SEC for the first time in 2001, won a national championship for the first time in 2003. At that particular time in 2003, when Saban won his first national title there at LSU, this was an SEC that it had what? Y'all help me with this for a second. Tennessee had won a national title in 1998. Florida had won one in 1996. Prior to that, the last SEC team to win a title was what? Uh, Alabama in 92. So you're talking about a 10-year stretch prior to Nick Saban winning a title at LSU where only the only national championships to come from the SEC were two of the last 10 national champions. Now, by comparison, the SEC that Kirby Smart entered in 2016 – National champions were far more prevalent, more times than not, over the course of the last 20 years, far more times than not. It was an SEC team that won the national championship. And when Alabama got things cooking with Nick Saban there when he first took that job over in 2007 and had had the great recruiting class in 2008 that set them up for future success, this was a guy who had the pedigree of having won a national championship before. He had been head coach of the Miami Dolphins, left that job to come to Alabama. I mean, let's face it, Saban had a lot of cachet when he took the Alabama job. Alabama as a program may have fallen on hard times, but Saban as a head coach was very well experienced, by no means starting from scratch. So from that standpoint, comparing Smart to, to Saban is just not really a, a fair comparison. I'm not saying that to make an excuse. That's just kind of the facts. That's just the way that that is. And so I think there's a way of looking at what Smart has done now going into his six years Georgia coach. It's actually somewhat amazing he's accomplished as much as he has as quickly as he has done it, given the fact that he wasn't a head coach prior to taking this job. Obviously, all the recruiting success that puts a pipeline in place at Georgia that allows Georgia's championship window to extend for the next you know, few years of the foreseeable future at least. And, of course, multiple SEC Easts, winning an SEC championship, making the college football playoff. Clearly, there's a restlessness among Georgia fans for more. I guess my point is, and I think this is what uh, at to show 803 on Twitter was also kind of getting to as well, is don't let the restlessness you have about what you want to see Georgia do distract you from what Georgia already has done. So something to keep in mind there, uh, really good comments. That's one of the reasons why we love doing our podcast cool down. So take time to weigh in, uh, be a part of what we're doing here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily in the comment section when I post the podcast each and every day at dognation.com. Love to have you share in, way in there. And, of course, I'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Also, don't forget to check out R.S. Andrews online for rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Story after story, they've delivered smiles. They can deliver one for you as well. So check them out and then check me out back again tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. I'll look forward to speaking to you then, everybody.